0: Hello, everybody, and welcome into Season 4 of the Star Wars Legends Lounge, the show that celebrates the books from Star Wars Legends. I'm Aaron Motes. I'm back from the holiday break, everyone. For the first time in six years, I took a vacation. I went to England with my brother and my nephew to watch our favorite soccer teams play. Now, I'm a big fan of Southampton, and I got to watch the Saints beat Swansea 5-0. The domination. It was awesome. And I love the atmosphere at St. Mary's. Hopefully one day I get to go back again. The other game we went to see was at Arsenal. But unfortunately for my brother and my nephew, the Gunners lost to West Ham 2-0. We still had fun though. I also got to visit a historical site that I've always wanted to see. Stonehenge. It was amazing. Hopefully... I get to see more of the historical places around the world that are on my list someday. There are about 20, I think. But now I'm back and fully refreshed for the start of Season 4 of the podcast. And for that, we're jumping back into the prequel era. It's Darth Maul, Shadowhunter by Michael Reeves. Darth Sidious prepares to order the blockade of Naboo. But one member of the Trade Federation is missing, and might spill the beans. The Dark Lord of the Sith orders his apprentice, Darth Maul, to hunt him down. But when the Neimoidian sells the information to Lorn Pavan, Maul is forced to add the scoundrel to his hit list. Can Maul find the traders before they inform the Jedi about the blockade? Well, we'll find out that in a few minutes. But first, it's listener question time. I have two messages today. The first comes from Boston. Not the city, but the listener. Well, maybe the city. I don't know where Boston is from, but the message is from listener named Boston. Boston says, I'm a new listener to your podcast, and I absolutely love it. Well, thank you very much, Boston. You present the books in a way that compels the listener to read the books without giving the whole story. I started listening to it a few weeks ago, and your episodes covering the Darth Bane trilogy got me hooked. Boston has two questions. His first, what makes a Star Wars book a Star Wars Legends book? Can anyone write a Star Wars book and consider it Legends? Or does it have to get vetted by someone or a committee to be considered Legends? Well, Boston, this one's easy. A book is considered Legends. If it was published prior to the Disney acquisition. Any of the books that were published in the late 70s, the 80s, the 90s, or the 2000s, up until the Disney acquisition of 2012, is considered Legends. Now, there are a couple that came out between 2012 and 2014, which are a little bit of a gray area. Most of those are also considered legends, but that's really it. There's no committee or anything. It's just in 2014, Disney announced that anything created prior to their acquisition, except for the theatrical movies and the Clone Wars animated show that featured Ahsoka Tano, is considered legends. That includes books. That includes video games, that includes comics, that includes other times that Star Wars is on screen, such as the infamous holiday special, the Ewok television movies, and the Gendi Tartakovsky Clone Wars micro-series. So, if you write a book today, it's not Legends. If you wrote a book prior to 2012, maybe prior to 2014, it is Legends. Now, Boston's second question. Have you considered writing any Star Wars books? I definitely think you could. And if you did write one, what would it be about? Where would it take place? And would it include original characters or ones that we've seen before? Well, thank you very much for the email, Boston. I'm flattered that you think that I could write a book. That's something I don't really have any interest in. I've never wanted to write a book. I don't think I would be particularly good at it. I have much more of an analytical mind than an artistic mind. But if I were to write a story in Star Wars, it would have a mixture of original characters and characters that we are familiar with. The main characters would be ones that we are familiar with. A story I would always like to see... And I don't think this is big enough for a book, but maybe it would be for a short story or an episode of a television show. Many fans want to see the conversation between Ahsoka Tano and Luke Skywalker, where Ahsoka tells Luke about Anakin prior to his fall to the dark side and prior to Anakin becoming Darth Vader. I would like to see that conversation, as well. But the conversation I want to see even more is Ahsoka talking to both Luke and Leia about their mother, Padme Amidala. And maybe stemming from that conversation, Luke and Leia would be interested in going to Naboo and trying to find out more about their mother. Padme had a sister who had children. Maybe Luke and Leia's aunt and cousins are still alive, and maybe they could meet. But that's one story I've always been interested in. Hopefully, we'll get to see that someday, whether it be in a short story, a novel, an episode of a television show, I'd even take a comic, although that would be my least preferred medium. I'm just not as big of a comic reader as some other people. Anyway, thank you very much for the email, Boston. Now, today's second email comes from Victor, who says, I have an opinion that, as far as I've experienced, is unpopular. My favorite Star Wars movie is Return of the Jedi. Luke was a hero of my childhood, and seeing him grow from the boy on Tatooine to the Jedi who calmly enters Jabba's palace was the coolest thing to me. I'm curious, what's one of your unpopular Star Wars opinions? I'd love to hear a bunch of them from other listeners as well. Well, thank you for the email, Victor. I don't really think Return of the Jedi being your favorite film is that unpopular. Now, is it most people's favorite Star Wars film? Probably not. But it's not like you hear people saying that the Clone Wars animated movie is their favorite Star Wars film. That would be pretty unpopular. I think for most people, Return of the Jedi falls kind of in the middle of the pack. Now, as far as your question goes, I have a few unpopular Star Wars opinions. Some of them would probably anger people. I'm not going to really divulge those on here, because I think Star Wars is for everyone, and I want people to enjoy Star Wars. I don't want people to look for the things that they don't like. So I'm going to stay away from those, but outside of R2-D2, I really am pretty indifferent about the droids in Star Wars. To the point where some of them annoy me more than I think they're cute or funny. I like R2. The others, eh, hit and miss. Honestly, if they weren't in Star Wars, I'd be fine. They add something to the story. I just don't have much of an affinity to them. And tangentially to that opinion, the debate or discussion over droids as a sentient species i just have no interest in it doesn't matter to me one way or the other if you consider a droid sentient or if you just consider a droid like a tool so anyway thank you very much for the email victor and any listeners out there who think they have an unpopular opinion If you want to email it in, I'll read it out on the show. Now, listener, if you'd like to get in touch with the podcast to ask a question or an opinion, just email me at swlegendslounge at gmail.com or send me a tweet at legendslounge1. And if you'd like to get your voice on the show, you can record a short message and email it in. Just please record it in MP3 audio format. Now, one last thing before we get to today's book, at the end of the show today, I'll go over the schedule for 2024 and talk a little about what everyone can look forward to this season. You want to stay tuned for that. But now, it's time for today's book. Darth Maul: Shadow Hunter by Michael Reeves. Grab yourself a drink and let's head in to the Star Wars Legends Lounge. <music> The story begins on the Trade Federation freighter Sekak. Newt Gunray is nervous. He knows the order from Darth Sidious to blockade Naboo will come soon. But Gunray has a problem. His second-in-command, Hath Monchar, the deputy viceroy of the Federation, and one of the very few people who knows about the upcoming blockade, is missing. And Gunray knows the Dark Lord of the Sith will not be pleased. Before Gunray can order to begin a search for Manchar, his master appears on the holocom. When Sidious asks about the deputy viceroy, Gunray panics and says Manchar is sick. When the call ends, Sidious turns to Darth Maul and orders his apprentice to find Manchar and discover how much the nemoidian knows and eliminate him. At the Jedi Temple on Coruscant, Padawan Darsha Assant prepares for her trials. Jedi Master Mace Windu orders her to the lower levels of the planet to escort a former member of the Black Sun back to the temple. The informant, a Fondorian named Ulth, was the personal secretary to the former head of the crime syndicate. Ulth is the only survivor of a massacre of Black Sun higher-ups on the planet Raltir. A massacre, unbeknownst to the Jedi, was perpetuated by a Sith. Mace says Uth is hiding out in an area of the Coruscant Undercity known as the Crimson Corridor. He says if Asant can bring Ulth back to the temple by herself, the Council will elevate her to a Jedi Knight. Nervous about the mission, Asant finds her master, Anun Bandara. When she asks for his advice the Twilight Jedi says to mind her surroundings. The Crimson Corridor is a dangerous place. But, Bandara tells his Padawan, he's confident she will succeed in her mission. However, Ulth isn't the only one hiding out in the Crimson Corridor. Hath-Manchar is there too, and he needs money to go deeper into hiding. The Neymordian plans to sell a Sith holocron that he stole from the Trade Federation. He meets with an information broker named Lorne Pavan and his droid I-5YQ. Manchar agrees to sell the holocron to Pavan for a half million credits. They head to the Nemoidians hideout to make the exchange. Newt Gunray hopes to find Manchar before Darth Sidious does, so he hires a bounty hunter to search for his deputy viceroy. The bounty hunter, a human named Maui Lin, scopes out Manchar's apartment on Coruscant and spots something, a figure wearing a black cloak and hood, who looks like he's also searching for the Namodian. Lin follows the cloaked figure into the Undercity. Of course, that figure is Darth Maul. The Sith follows Manchar's trail to his hidden cubicle in the Crimson Corridor. There, Maul spies Monchar trying to sell the Holocron to Pravon. The Sith Lord steps into the room, removes his hood, and ignites his double-sided lightsaber. Monchar screams to his bodyguards to fire at the mysterious figure, but the Zabrak easily deflects the bolts away, sending many of them back at the goons, killing them. He then steps up to Monchar and slices the Amoydian's head off. Back in the corner... Maul spots the human who was trying to buy the holocron and a droid. The Sith raises his blade to eliminate the final two witnesses when someone starts shooting from behind him. It's Lin, the bounty hunter. Maul spins towards the door, deflecting the bolts back into the wall. Pavan and I-5 take advantage of the diversion to escape, grabbing the holocron as they flee. Enraged that he lost the holocron, Maul advances on Lin just as the bounty hunter raises her arm to fire a wrist rocket. Using force-enhanced speed, Maul dives through the opening Pavan escaped through, right as Lin fires the rocket. The explosion destroys the Monchar's lair and blows Lin back into the hallway, slamming her into the wall, killing her. Elsewhere in the Crimson Corridor, Asant finds Ulth, but as she walks the informer to her speeder, The two are interrupted by a street gang as they try to strip the ship. When the thugs attack, Assant draws her yellow lightsaber and ushers Ulth behind her. One of the gang members attacks Assant with a vibroblade, but the Padawan lops his hand off and kicks the blade aside. Slowly, the gang backs away, allowing Assant to fire her ascension gun to a walkway ten stories overhead. As they approach the walkway, they're attacked by two hawkbacks. Ulth tries to fend them off, but he loses his grip on Asant and falls, presumably to his death. Knowing she's failed her Jedi trial, Asant returns to the temple and finds her master, Anun Bandara. When Bandara asks if Asant saw Ulth's body, his Padawan admits she did not. The Twilight Jedi says that until they find a body, they won't tell the council. The two Jedi then head back to the spot where Ulth fell. They don't find a corpse, but they do find blood and scraps of his clothing. It looks like some of the Crimson Corridor scavengers have taken Ulth's body. Asant and Bandara start to head out of the Crimson Corridor when suddenly they feel anger, rage, and fear. They turn and see a human and a droid running toward them, followed by by a mysterious figure in black. Bandara tells his Padawan to take Pavan and I-5 to safety, while he slows down the dark figure. The four jump into a speeder and lift off. Bandara watches as the Zabrak jumps into his own speeder and continues chasing them. As he closes in, Bandara ignites his lightsaber and leaps onto the hood of the Zabrak's speeder. The move surprises the Darksider causing him to crash the speeder into a balcony. The two Force users then face off, their lightsabers clashing. While Bandara tries to keep the Zabrak at bay, Maul can feel that he's more powerful than the Twi'lek. And Bandara can feel it too. But just before the Sith can strike him down, Bandara drives his lightsaber into the speeder, blowing it up, sacrificing himself. However, Maul leaps off the balcony just in time, escaping the explosion. Now, after a long chase through the Undercity, Maul tracks the group to an upper-level warehouse, trapping them inside. Knowing that she isn't making it out alive, Assant decides to follow her master's example. She'll slow down the Zabrak and give Pavan and I-5 a chance to escape. Assant takes the holocron from Pavan and starts piling up equipment around the warehouse floor. Meanwhile, Pavan and I-5 step through a side door and into a carbon freezing chamber. The two freeze themselves in carbonite just as the Zabrak enters the warehouse. He and Assant meet, red and yellow lightsabers clashing. Assant puts up a good challenge, but it's really no contest. The dark side user is just too powerful, but the Padawan isn't really trying to win. Slowly, slyly, Assant draws the Zabrak closer to the equipment that she was stacking up when he arrived. Almost too late, Maul realizes what the Jedi is doing. Mixed in with the equipment is a bunch of industrial chemicals. Before the Sith can strike her down, Assant uses her lightsaber to ignite the chemicals and the equipment. Surprised but filled with a grudging respect toward the Padawan for almost outsmarting him, Maul stabs Assant, killing her. He then takes the holocron from her belt pouch and sprints out of the warehouse, just as the building goes up in flames. Maul tries to search for Pavan in the force, but feels nothing. The information broker must be dead, killed in the fire. Of course, Pavan is still alive. He and I-5 are thawed out and head off in pursuit of Maul. First off, they contact a Sakayan named Tuden Saul, a restaurant owner with Black Sun connections. Pavan asks Tudensal to deliver I-5 to the temple while he goes after the mysterious Zabrak. Pavan finds the Zabrak and follows him to an orbital space station. There, he's able to sneak up on the Sith, firing two stun bolts into his back. After the Zabrak falls, Pavan approaches and takes the holocron. But, The Sith quickly awakens and ignites his lightsaber. He swings, slicing off Pavan's right hand. Stunned, the information broker flees, managing to make it down the corridor and locking the door before the Zabrak reaches him. Pavan runs for his life and emerges in a large solarium, interrupting a garden party. He recognizes one of the partygoers, Senator Sheev Palpatine of Naboo. Palpatine has a reputation for being upstanding and trustworthy. Pavan gives him the holocron, telling the senator that it contains information vital to the Jedi. Palpatine promises to deliver it to the temple, and then calls for medical aid, as Pavan, holding his cauterized wrist, collapses from exhaustion. The story ends a few days later in the hospital. Lorne Pavan has been fitted with a new prosthetic hand, and now he's eager to reignite with his friend I-5. But his dreams are shattered when he opens the door to his room and finds the Zabrak standing there. The Sith ignites his red lightsaber and plunges the blade into Pavan's chest. Having tied up the last loose end, Maul leaves the hospital, his mission finally accomplished. When I return, I'll talk more about Darth Maul Shadowhunter, what worked for me in the story, and what didn't. All that and more after the break. I'm Aaron Moats. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Star Wars Legends Lounge. Thank you for listening to the Star Wars Legends Lounge, where we celebrate the books from Star Wars Legends, but let me take a moment and recommend a book from Star Wars canon. Padawan is the story of young Obi-Wan Kenobi's first solo mission. Determined to win the approval of his master, Qui-Gon Jinn, Obi-Wan tries to help a group of young people on a strange, dangerous planet. Can Obi-Wan save the teens before the planet destroys them? Find out in Padawan by Kirsten White. Welcome back to the Star Wars Legends Lounge, the show that celebrates the books from Star Wars Legends. I'm Aaron Motes, and today I'm talking about Darth Maul, Shadow Hunter by Michael Reeves. Now, I enjoyed this book. Is it my favorite? No. But this book does a lot of things I like in Star Wars. It's an adventure. It's fast-paced. And there are stakes. Sometimes in a Star Wars story... The stakes aren't quite as high as others. I like the ones where the stakes are really high. And this one's up there. The information needs to get to the Jedi. If it gets there, it could upset Darth Sidious's plans at the very beginning of the events of the Phantom Menace. Who knows what would happen to Palpatine if... The Jedi are able to stop the blockade of Naboo. What happens to the Trade Federation? Do they still follow Darth Sidious? It's an interesting what-if question. Generally, those don't interest me very much, but this one kind of does. What would happen if the Jedi and the Republic were able to stop the Trade Federation? From blockading Naboo. I'm not one of those people that thinks that Darth Sidious had absolutely everything planned out in order to rise to power. I tend to think that Sidious slash Palpatine had numerous plans. He thought about the possible consequences of those plans. Some he influenced, Others, there's a bit of chance to, but he tried to stack the deck in his favor to the point that regardless of what action was taken by another person or another entity, Sidious stacked the deck to the point where he could take advantage of them. I still think there are times in the prequel trilogy where Sidious slash Palpatine is surprised. You know, I'm not the only one who thinks this, but in The Phantom Menace, I think it's pretty clear when Padme says that she's returning to Naboo to fight along with her subjects against the Trade Federation's blockade. It's pretty clear that Palpatine is surprised that she says that. That's not something that I think he thought was going to happen. I think he believed that Padme was going to stay on Coruscant in relative safety at that point. So that's why I think this what-if question is pretty interesting. What if that Sith holocron had reached The Jedi Temple. According to the book, it contains information about the blockade. How would Palpatine take advantage of the situation if the blockade was stopped before it ever started? Maybe there was a contingency plan. Maybe the Trade Federation's blockade could have happened on a different planet. Or a different star system. Who knows? I think my favorite part of this book is how we see Maul from different perspectives. Remember, this book takes place just before the events of the Phantom Menace. So nobody knows that the Sith have re-emerged. According to the Jedi, the Sith were wiped out over a thousand years ago. The only ones that know the Sith are back right now are Newt Gunray and a handful of higher-ups in the Trade Federation. In the chapters where Darth Maul is the point of view, you can feel his anger. You can feel his excitement, his anticipation of finally revealing himself, of his master, Sidious, revealing himself. Several times, Maul thinks about attacking the Jedi, destroying the Jedi. He's almost obsessed with destroying the Jedi, to the point where he doesn't really give much thought in taking over the Republic, taking over the galaxy, his thoughts mention it a time or two, but only in the context of that's what his master, Darth Sidious, wants. Maul has been molded into a weapon to be used against the Jedi. There are times in the book where where he's chasing Pavan and I-5 to get the holocron, but he's more interested in fighting the Jedi Master... Anun Bandara, and his Padawan, Darsha Assant. That's what he's more interested in. At times, he almost forgets about the holocron. He almost forgets about his mission. So Maul's point of view gives you a look inside of the character. Conversely, the point of view of everyone else in the story, when... A section is told from Pavan's point of view or the Padawan Asant's point of view or even the Jedi Master Bandara. They identify their pursuer as a mysterious figure, a dark figure, a mysterious Zabrak. Who is this dark side force wielder? Pavan is the first person that uses the term Sith. Eventually Asant and Bandara do as well. The problem is they can't contact the Jedi Temple. When they finally come to terms that the being pursuing them may be a Sith, it's after the speeders have crashed And the comlinks they have have been damaged. So they can't contact the Jedi and warn them. There's another interesting what if in this story. What if the Jedi were warned about the Sith prior to the events of the Phantom Menace? Would they have been so surprised when Qui-Gon Jinn tells the Council that a Sith has returned. Maybe they would already be investigating the possibility at that time. Another part of this story that I really like is in the Maul-centric stories that I've read here for the podcast. This is the second one. The first one was Darth Maul lockdown. There's a horror element. I'm not the biggest horror fan, But I do like suspense. I do like tension. Parts of this book feel like the boogeyman who's chasing you. It's got a little bit of Michael Myers from the early Halloween movies. It's got a little bit of that feel. You can go anywhere, but The boogeyman is behind you. To that, it almost has a little bit of the feel of the original Jaws. You know, once Brody and Quint and Hooper are out hunting for the shark. And then at some point, that's turned on its head. And it feels like the shark is hunting them parts of this story have that feel that something bad is coming. It's hunting our main characters. And as much as we want them to get away, we can feel inevitably they won't be able to. Now, as much as I enjoyed this book, it does do one or two things that don't really work for me. Some of the prequel era stories, whether it be the books, the movies, the Clone Wars animated show, I'm not the biggest fan of Palpatine just being there coincidentally at the very end and everything works out in his favor. I like it more when Palpatine has to work for it, defeating the Jedi and the Republic. Now, does it make sense that Palpatine is on the space station, in the solarium? Yes. Maul has the holocron at that point of this story, and he's going to deliver it to his master. Pavan follows Maul to the space station. It absolutely makes sense that Palpatine is there. The part that I don't like as much is when Pavan gets the Holocron back from Maul and enters the Solarium and there's this event going on and he says he looks around and there are quite a few people up there. The person that he sees first, that he recognizes, is Senator Palpatine in the middle of this crowd. And just before he collapses from injury and exhaustion, he hands Palpatine the holocron, very briefly explains what it is, and says it's vital that it reaches the Jedi. It's not the biggest nitpick out there. I just wish the ending could be slightly different maybe a slightly different way for Palpatine to end up with the holocron than that. But that's just a tiny nitpick that I have with this book. Otherwise, I really liked it. I really enjoyed it. I like both of the Maul-centric novels in Legends. I think I like Maul Lockdown just a little bit more than this one, but I would recommend reading both books for anyone who really likes Darth Maul and once more mall-centric stories. Well, it's almost time to go. But before I do, I wanted to briefly go over the schedule for this season. I broke up season four into a few different segments. I'm going to start the year with a few clone-centric stories, including the Republic Commando series from February 9th through April 5th. After that, it's Boba Fett time, starting with tales of the bounty hunters the short story collection and then the bounty hunter wars series which will start in may coming up in the summer we're going to jump forward ahead on the timeline and talk about the jedi academy trilogy by kevin j anderson then the focus turns to everyone's favorite scoundrel han solo including the ac crispin han solo trilogy in the fall Finally, to wrap up the season, everyone be ready to get a little weird. Because in the holiday season, I'm wrapping up the year with Children of the Jedi, Darksaber, and Planet of Twilight, a.k.a. the Callista Chronicles. It's going to be a fun year. There's going to be a mix of short series, individual books, and short story compilations. If you want to read along with the podcast... I made the full schedule my pinned tweet on the show's Twitter page at Legends Lounge 1. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of the Star Wars Legends Lounge. If you have a question or comment for the show, email me at swlegendslounge at gmail.com or send a tweet at Legends Lounge 1 and send me your Star Wars character groups. Don't forget your Star Wars Mount Rushmores and mixtapes and like Victor said from the beginning of the show, if you have an unpopular Star Wars opinion, send that in. I love reading all these creative things that you listeners come up with. And also, if you got a really cool Star Wars gift over the holidays, let me know what it is. Send me some pictures. I want to see them. Now, coming up on the next episode, it's Clone Wars No Prisoners by Karen Travis. You can look forward to that episode coming out on january 26th and coming up also this month kat jay matt k2 scott and i wrap up our new jedi order coverage with a final roundtable where we talked about everything we liked in the series our nitpicks in the series how much we enjoyed reading these books together and talking about them we've already recorded the episode But it's long. It's going to be the longest episode of the show. It's a little over two hours. And trying to edit six different audio files into the two-hour show is time-consuming. So you guys got to give me a little bit of time to get all that edited correctly before I put it out. But keep an eye on your podcast feed because it will be coming out soon. Once again, thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Star Wars Legends Lounge. I'm Aaron Motes. May the Force be with you. And remember, there's always a bit of truth in Legends.